0: This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice.
1: Hello, Australia. Welcome to My Millennial Money. My name's Glenn James. Thank you so much for listening today. Hey, you may have heard of this gentleman, Mark Boris. He was the host of Channel 9's Apprentice, Firing People. Before that, he basically built and sold one of Australia's biggest uh, non-bank lenders, Wizard Home Loans for like $500 million. And if you don't know of him, you can use Google to your own (laughs) advantages. But uh, we're joined today on this episode with Mark Boris. So, Mark, thank you so much for jumping on and having a chat on My Millennial Money today. Sweet as. I love your audience. Now, I will say a couple of things first. As you're listening to this, number one, go over to Mark's podcast, The Mentor with Mark Boris. There's another one called Straight Talk. Straight Talk, I always get confused. Uh, and we'll talk about some other cool stuff that you're doing. Uh, but if you wanna hear my story around how I started My Millennial Money, my backstory, all the stuff that I don't go into on this podcast because you know we're talking about you on this podcast. But if you wanna hear more about my backstory, why don't you go and subscribe to The Mentor with Mark Boris and you'll see an episode there with me and that might give you some more insight uh, to how My Millennial Money and everything came about. This is the last formal episode of the year. On Thursday of this week, we're going to come back with the team. We'll read the census results. We'll tell you all the types of people who are listening, what your favorite coffee order is, what the average age is of My Millennial Money. So again, thank you so much this year. And I really appreciate all your support. And also the support of our Tuesday show partner, Tal. That's T-A-L. And Tal is One of Australia's leading insurance companies They do all the life insurance Disability insurance Income insurance They've helped over 4.5 million Australians Who are clients of theirs and they have partnered with our Tuesday show. So, if you are interested in securing your financial future and investing in the foundations of your sound financial house, search TAL online, T-A-L, or speak with your financial advisor today about how TAL can help you or head to sortyourmoneyout.com, click get help and I can introduce you to a financial advisor. Mark, over your career, and I'm not going to bore people uh, with respect to your history because I don't want to take up the airtime. That's what Google's for. Yeah, um, You've seen a lot of businesses, a lot of governments, a lot of individuals, big, small, everything. When you look at those successful entities, be it a person, a business, a government or whatever, do you see, and even in your own life, any underlying thread of one consistent theme or thing that a successful entity, because I want to include people who are an employee here. Yep. Do you see any consistent threads I don't, I, I don't want to upset some people who work for me, but uh,
2: a couple of threads, youth, and I mean young people, um, young people and the energy they bring, um, so all my businesses that, that I've done well and other people's businesses that I can observe that have done well have had um, good sort of high-level strategy stuff, but they've had young people driving it and uh, and lots of energy and enthusiasm. I, 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 and I, I keep talking about this in my playbook. Like it's Kerry used Kerry Packer, for those people who don't know him, he was my business partner in the early 2000 period, used to always say to me every month when I met, um, what's the energy of the place like, mate? Like son, he used to call me son. What's the energy of the place like? Um And re- really, what he was referring to was, is there a momentum in the joint? Yeah, like, and, and do? And he used to always say, do, do we still believe? So, our business in the wizard business was taking on the banks and making people who ordinarily thought they couldn't get a home loan from a bank now be able to qualify for a home loan. Our slogan was, no judgments, just home loans, and then buy the house, their dream, and. We had to make Kerry wanted to make sure that everyone in our organisation believed in that that possibility, and uh, and had the energy to drive that possibility. So, the thing that I think that was that I've seen, that I've experienced, and I have seen as observed, is energy and belief in what your mission is. I don't want to say mission statement, but just what your mission is, what you are trying to do, and. I have to say, in hindsight,
1: it's easily or more readily delivered by younger people. That's interesting because that could apply to someone listening who's driving to work right now, even bloody Concord Hospital as a full-time registered nurse. If he or she actually believes in what they're doing, it should lead to a better outcome in their life because then it's it's not just a J-O-B for them. Yeah, like it is what they want to do and they like helping people. I guess the, the problem is you see the seventy-year-old nurses angry all the time because the systems crushed them to the core. But how, like, but there are seventy-year-old people who still believe that's right, and they're great nurses. And
2: I, I actually think it's not about the money you earn. Um, I, I've never gone into any business. With a view, I'm going to make a whole lot of money out of this, like even, like Wizard, the Wizard business, like which I probably was best known for at the time. Um, I only went into the business because I actually believed in I actually believed in building market share by taking a proposition to the market that they haven't otherwise been op- given the opportunity to have in the past. Aussie Homelands did it. I did it. We did it together. Um, and I never thought, oh, and I'm going to make this much money because I couldn't work out how much money I was going to make anyway. So I think if you have that belief about what you are doing and you do it with energy and you've got to be fun and happy and you can have shit days, but, you know, mostly you've got to be fun, you've got to enjoy what you're doing and feel fulfilled, then the money will come. Mm. That's my view. Um, I've never gone into I'm going into to this make a whole lot of dough. Never. Never, ever thought that.
1: Um, and uh, I did that once with crypto, but I lost my money. So well, that's an investment because you're not in control. <laughs> exactly. I like to be in control, too, of what I'm doing. So
2: if you believe as a nurse what, in what you're doing, you are now in control of what you're doing. Mm. In crypto and those sorts of things, we're not in control of anything. We're just having a Speculation. punt. Speculation. Having
1: yeah. a punt. Yeah. That was a joke, everyone. I didn't put all my money in crypto and lose it. But but I- it's an interesting point, though, Glenn, because I have put money in crypto and I, I
2: – I, and, and, and I had put money into crypto because I wanted the experience, and that's exactly of what crypto. I've done. Yeah, and uh, so far I'm going okay. But but I'm equally i um, ruthless about it too. If I feel as though you know Dogecoin is not going to be any good for me at the moment, I'll take it out Dogecoin and I'll put it into uh, Tezos or something. You know, like I, I, I I'll, and I'll
1: play around with and it. It's funny, like I've actually I'm you know at the time of recording this for our audience, I'm running a crypto webinar for those, and I didn't want to I don't want to get into crypto on this, but. I'm running a crypto webinar and I've copped a bit of um, hate from some people. Well, why are you getting into that? Why are you getting into that? I've got the view. I, as a responsible leader, facilitator of this community, I would rather teach you about it than you learn from someone online and you're going to lose all your money. Yeah. Like, I'd rather just teach you about it. You can do what you want. Uh, I'm just not going to let other people influence and it's a money thing. I'm a personal finance money guy, you know, I should be allowed to teach my community in a safe way about this stuff. So, That's probably what they expect anyway. That's right. And uh, I guess, you you know, the, the, the 5% of the noisy ones. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you've got to just dodge those bullets. Yeah. Banks, yes. So, okay, risks. And for those that, you know, haven't been bothered to Google, wizard home loans, you know, and Aussie, that era, they were the first mortgage brokers, you know, that hit the scene in Australia to really push First big the, retail yeah. brands. Yeah. They to, were mortgage brokers. But yeah, sorry. But, but to we branded it hard. Brand to, um, to really take on the banks. And, you know, I, it's public knowledge that that business was sold to GE for about 500. Yeah, 500 million. Yeah. You got out of that at the right time. Anyway, we'll move on. <laughs> Well, John, but John sold his
2: Aussie much later for a much bigger price.
1: Mm. Did
2: the tax bill hurt you? Yes, yeah, extraordinarily. Mm. It, was a big, it was a big bill. Yeah, so. And these things, by the way, you've got to, one, well, I mean, I will say this, sometimes when you do these really big deals, uh, you know, you, you can, you, you've got to be careful how you treat the tax. Otherwise, it will haunt you. Mm. You've got to deal with it clean. Absolutely. We must deal with it clean. Yeah.
1: As we'll, tempting we'll, as it is. We'll lodge on the last day, but it will be clean. <laughs> You've got to do it all clean. <laughs> yeah. But that speaks to longevity, right? You you know, I'd rather earn less money. Net. Slowly. Yeah. Net and have longevity, yeah, then yeah. do a smash and grab yeah. and end up bloody on the front page of- Or I have to leave the country or something. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. so on risks, what would you say the biggest risk that you've ever taken is? And it doesn't have to be business. It could be getting a partner or- Yeah. Well, it is in business. So um, probably my biggest risk um,
2: that I've ever- not maybe One of the biggest risks I've ever taken anyway was in fact- raising the money that Kerry put into the business, which was $25 million in uh, 2019, it was in 1999. A lot of money then. But it's a risk because um, I I immediately put a whole lot of staff on and all of a sudden I started burning that money. And, you know, not understanding the timing when you spend money to earn money. I mean, do you wait till you earn the money to spend the money or do you spend the money whilst you're earning the money or do you backfill... And spend the money, employees, rent, blah, 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 after you've already got the earning the money. In other words, you run, which means you run a risk then of not delivering to your customer because you don't have the people there to fill it, to, to do, to do the delivery or you overspend and something goes wrong. So in my case, I was overspending and all, then the, the 2000, the uh, Y2K period started to emerge. Then we had a, um, a mortgage recession in uh, when they introduced Introduced the GST on the 1st of July 2000. The market died in the butt. And um, and all of a sudden, my cost structure um, was too heavy relative to my revenues. And the problem was, I had $25 million in the bank. I, Kerry, expected me to spend it, to spend it. He just didn't give me the money and said, just leave it there. The money was given to me, not to me, but to the business to spend. Mm. So you get this s- seduction of money in the bank shit, I'll go and spend it, I'll go and employ C. I'll go and employ i go and employ but the whole C-suite, um, introduce these systems, that systems, you know, advertise, promote, and then all of a sudden you're down to 12, 12 million. And then, you know, the big man calls in and wants to know what's going on. So that was my biggest risk was doing a deal with someone like Kerry Packer who had far deeper pockets than I did at the time, Um What I didn't realize is that he was always willing to let me spend the money and then he knew it was good business, but he was always – and then he knows that – he knew that I might need some more money, in which case there's only one outcome for me, and that is I get diluted. And once I get diluted below 50%, then I'm in trouble. So that was my biggest risk, doing a deal with someone far bigger than me and having money sitting in the bank, which I felt like I needed
1: to spend. What percentage of him putting the money into that business was – Oh, I'm I'm into startups. I'll flick twenty five million, and hopefully, I can double it over the next couple of years to the percentage of. No, oh, I actually think the banks need some real good wholesale challenges to their business model.
2: Kerry was big on disruption.
1: Yeah, so you know, like
2: he likes sticking it up the incumbents. Like World Series Cricket is a good example. Um, he wanted to stick it up the um, you know, all the cricket who so just controlled test cricket and uh, didn't want to have anything else. So Kerry, and Kerry read markets. So he read markets to say that people want to see a different form of cricket, um, day-night day matches, you know, like uh, he, he wanted to see limited overs because he knew what consumers wanted. He was very switched on to what a consumer wanted. Like Kerry would walk around the, the cricket oval and start talking to his cameraman and say, what are, what's everybody saying? What do they want? So I'd say a big percentage of what Kerry was doing in relation to investing in my business, Wizard, was to assist me to kick it up the banks. But equally, um, he was looking for he did tell me when I invested he invested in my business in nineteen ninety nine, August nineteen ninety nine, he said, in five years time, I want this this business to be a ten bagger. Mm. So he wanted to be worth 10 times as much. And I thought, well, there's no way it's going to be worth 10 times as much. Well, it was because he put $25 million in in 1999 and it was worth $500 million in 2004. Um, so his prediction, we, we, out, we outgunned his prediction, but he was big on that. Turn my $25 million into $125 million. That's all Kerry was interested in. Yeah, that's... Mm. In in that regard. By the way, I'll enjoy the disruption along the way, and I'll support you. And I, he was an unbelievable supporter, um, yeah. like an incredible pay forward
1: stuff to me, um, and a great um, let's call it mentor. Mm. I was going to ask you who has been or is the biggest influence in your life, living or deceased, past or present? Like, is oh, it? my parents have yeah. to be my mother and father. Um, my and they're not you know, they're not Kerry Packer
2: or anything like that. They're just hard, humble, hardworking people. And I think that's probably one of the first things you've got to do in order to be successful. You've got to work hard and you've got to be humble about it. Um, and my dad's still alive and, he, you know, he continues as I get older, continues to inspire me. Um, but probably in a business sense, um, definitely Kerry Packer, definitely Kerry Packer. Um, there was a guy called Dave Nissen who was the CEO of General Electric Capital, GE Capital, which was the biggest financial services business in the world, which he set up for General Electric, which made it was the big, most profitable arm of General Electric. You know, and General Electric used to make twenty billion after tax a year in those days. And he was the, his division, which he set up, which he was the CEO of, Dave, um, and I, Dave Nissen, was a big inspiration for me because he um, backed me and James Packer to invest alongside General Electric to build a business in India and another one in Brazil and one in Russia. So we built these businesses in those places with the backing of him and he had that whole Jack Welch um, GE experience, um, you know, Six Sigma black belts and all these really fancy, deep, intellectual, um, uh, analytical base to way that to the way organisations global organisations do business. So he was a big influence to, in, uh, on me. Um, Dave Nissen, Kerry Packer, and probably I mean I, I, I was great friends with a guy called Rene Rifkin um, who unfortunately took his own life. But Rene was a big inspiration to me as a, a big investor, financial planning investor, big investor, and and move markets. Um, I, I thought he was a big inspiration to me too. But I've been lucky. I worked in a law firm for many years. We had some of the biggest names. Alan Baum was a client of ours. John Spalvin was a client of ours. These are probably names that don't mean much to the audience. But they were the big deals of the 80s. I mean, they were giants in Australia. They were absolute giants. They even um, uh, were bigger than Kerry Packer. I mean, mm-hmm. Kerry looked up to them. Abe Goldberg. I mean, they are all clients of mine. Does that so, have much to do with Murdoch? No, I haven't. I know I've met him. Um, I I know um, um, his son, one of his sons better than um, uh, Rupert. I only met Rupert at uh, James Baker's wedding, but um, I know the family Um, and probably, but it's just in a social sense. Mm. No, I don't. What would you say your biggest regret is? Oh, millions of them. Um, I mean, I guess I'm, one of those guys who often sits back and goes, should I have that idea? Why don't I do something about it? Um, so sometimes I can get a bit intellectually lazy and I delay on things, probably because I've got too many other things on my plate. Um, my biggest regret can be that I, but then on other times I put too much on my plate and I sometimes don't execute on everything properly. Um, but my definitely my biggest regret is when I was in a hurry in my 20s um, and I always say to people, don't be in a hurry. I was an arrogant, intellectually, intellectually arrogant person. I wasn't rude, but I was intellectually arrogant. Thought I knew everything. You know, I was doing all these university degrees, and master's degrees, and all that sort of stuff. And I thought, well, I know more than everybody else. I'm the smartest guy in the room, um, which I wasn't. Um, but I thought that about myself, and I was in a hurry to do things, and I made some monumental, personal mistakes in relation to business in my mid twenties, which. Didn't really affect anybody, um, but caused me a problem, which I had to dig myself out of for a couple of years. Learn from it? Yeah, I learned from it, but it took me a while to learn from because, as I said, I was intellectually arrogant, so I never really admitted that I made a mistake to myself. I blamed everybody else, and uh, and and you know, I just blamed everyone else. And and but I I was, as I said, I was in a hurry. So being in a hurry is a bad. Bad thing when you're in twenties, but it's a hard thing to control. But I was, I was in a hurry. I thought I could do things smarter, faster, more efficiently, less money and get make more money and then make more money than everybody else. And in those days, I attributed effort to reward. Um, so I thought the harder I work, the more money I'm going to make as opposed to, um, having a, uh, a more philosophical view on hard work. In other words, you work hard because you have the right to work hard and the ability to work hard and the capacity to work hard and things will come from that as opposed to thinking I oh, work hard, to make money. What did your old man do for his career? Dad was a, a, a fa- worked in a factory his whole life. He mm-hmm. said so my dad was a laborer. He came to speak with a big word of English. Worked in a factory, um, you know, worked his sort of way up, he did some courses, a bit he had to learn English and you know, all that sort of stuff. Not a skilled not a skilled person, um, but worked his whole life in in factories and in other sorts of environments similar to that. So dad was a labourer. He had fencing contractor job. He had a cleaning contract job at night, which I used to help him on. My brother did. Um, he worked, in fact, during the day, he was a milkman on a couple of nights a week, from you know, from twelve a.m. So He's not like allergic to a bit of work. Hard worker mm. and would work and work and work. But Dad didn't care. Like you know, you go think about these guy. He came from a village in Greece, which was occupied by the Germans when Germany occupied Greece during World War Two. Then the civil war started straight after the Germans left Greece. And people shooting each other left, right and centre. He grew up, no shoes, no running water, no toilet, no hot showers, no hot bars, comes to Australia and all of a sudden he's introduced to toilets, running water out of a tap, hot water, food at the supermarket. Um, You know, he only ate what they grew. So, you know, he he had very little, um, everything for him is awesome. And mum? Mum, mum's Irish background, so mum, dad. Media in Australia, mum taught dad English. Mum met dad in my dad's father, in my fa- grandfather's uh, restaurant while she was working a second job to support her two younger sisters. Mum always worked in those sorts of environments and pubs and restaurants and things like that. And mum and raised her two sisters. So mum's two younger sisters, who were a fair bit younger than mum, lived in a house and my dad's two younger brothers. My dad's one of six boys. Um, his two younger brothers, uh, two of his brothers, his younger brother and his next older brother, I should say, lived in a house as well. And i got a brother and sister. And we all lived in this one house, three-bedroom house in Punchbowl. But to me, I always seen to be like I had plenty of room. But f- now I think back on it, my God, I
1: don't know how we all survived and lived in that joint, but we did. What's it been like with um, your family and the wealth? Like, are you one to rock up and go, no, dad, you coming and living in ball Clues, and I'll sort that. And, like, how, how have you negotiated that? Well, in my case, it's pretty easy because my mum and dad are
2: um, um, ferociously independent of me. Um, and the, the, the only thing I can manage to do is buy dad a ticket and, um, and host him at my farm with his remaining family, brothers and West Farm. Uh, up, it's at the back of Byron Bay. It's, it's, well, let's call it northern New South Wales. Yeah. It's actually a working property. Yeah. Um But it's not far from Byron Bay. It's 7Ks out of Byron. Yeah, nice. Sort of west. So um, there's – my parents wouldn't take a cent off me. I mean, mm. they'd be insulted. Mm. I'm lucky. My dad's got a nice house. He lives in Mossman. Um, you know, he's he's not wealthy, but he's got he's got a good house. And uh he obviously no mortgage and uh, he's got a bit of money in the bank. Not much, but a little bit of money, which he's super – he lives comfortably, but he lives quite meagerly. Like, but he doesn't want much. And like, what does he want? A cup of coffee, mm. uh, a couple of times a week and, you know, buys his own food. He, he wouldn't let me get him a cleaner. He wouldn't let me get him a, a gardener. He does it all himself. He's 87. He still does his stuff, but bear in mind, as I say, for him, it's easy compared to where he come from. Mm. It's all relative. Mm. So I don't have to navigate any of that stuff. And my brother and sister independently, um, Do well as well, and my younger brother, my younger sister. So, and no one in my family's ever really been in a position where they need anything from me. Mm. So, and you just mark to them anyway. Yeah, I'm just mark. By by the way, I am just mark. Yeah. It's, it's, that's my son. There's my other son. There's my daughter. Yeah. That's how dad thinks of us. We're all the same. Um, there's, and I don't play any games. Like, I don't turn up in a high car and I don't have a a bloke drive me around. I just drive a four wheel drive and I got a Hilux, and that's what I drive a lot of the times. And I rock up Dad's house in a Hilux and uh, and uh, we'll go for a walk for a cup of coffee. Every so, you're Saturday. not a car guy? I've had those cars, you know, I still own an Aston Martin, which I bought in 2004, which I've hardly ever driven because it's too small and it's hard work to drive. Um, That's but my I, dream car. If you ever need to sell it, you. Well, don't. it's only got 7,000 kilometers on it, but look, I went through a phase. Mm that phase. Um, now I don't have that phase. Um, I would rather, I'd be honest, I like drop my highlights because it bounces around the joint. I don't have to run into curbs. I don't have to worry about ripping the guts out of the bottom of it. Um, I can park it anywhere. Sometimes I can leave it unlocked. You can see behind you without having to. <laughs> and it's a cool car. I think it's cool. I, I like it. Yeah. I, I really like it anyway. But uh, yeah, I, I have been through the phase, Glenn, I went through the phase maybe 20 odd years ago um, mm. for a couple of years. Um, but I, it didn't last very long.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of like the Aston Martin is my, I call it my realistic dream car. Yeah. And I just like, well, it'd be fun to get one and I, you know, a lot of people would like I could probably get one tomorrow if I wanted one. Like, yeah. But I'm just like, oh, let's just. What's the point, Nilly? Um. Yeah, and I
2: don't know. Because like, you probably won't enjoy driving because they're, 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 they're great cars, don't get me wrong, but especially the new models. But mm. it's not something you drive around. You're never going to hit speed. You, you can't mm. drive around and see everyone looks at you. Um, if you want to sort of be a little bit anonymous um, outside of what you do on your own screen, mm. which is something I try to do. Actually, um,
1: I'll tell you a funny story. Um, and for those who will hear the episode about me and how I started my business, you know, on the Central Coast um, and kind of that working class tall poppy crap, right, I have never had a BMW or a Mercedes because, you know, oh, the rich wanker, like that yeah, type of vibe, yeah, yeah, but, like yeah. it's just working class. And I'm like, oh, but I do want a nice car and- I'm just a fan of Lexus because I get it. I've got a nice Lexus and yeah. you just slip under the radar. I've got a Lexus too. Was, they're great cars. Yeah. i got a one of the big four-wheel drive ones. Um, yeah, the LX. LX 470 or whatever
2: it is. Yeah, yeah, And I drive that too it's, and it's great. I can put my dog in the back. Yeah. It's it's an awesome car. And by the way, they're not cheap, but no one sort of looks at it as uh, you think you're better than me.
1: Yeah, that's right. And like because I couldn't rock up to someone's house with a Merc yeah, yeah. or a Beamer yeah. being 27 years old, but- in a Lexus, well, no one really. It was just no, this weird thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and the, if someone said, "Oh, what do you drive?" I go, "Oh, Camry Sport." <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it shouldn't have that. We shouldn't have that
2: thing going on in our head. But it's also important to be conscious of, you know, who, who your community is. Mm. You don't, you don't want people to feel uncomfortable around you. You can sort of say, "Oh, fuck you, who cares?" Mm. But like, I don't really think that's right. Mm. I mean, you can do that. To you can, you can have that attitude of people who are horrible. And not not nice to you but and I
1: generally yeah, speaking you shouldn't have that and this is the whole like I, I've stopped pretty much talking about my own money situation on the podcast because it just it doesn't serve anyone any like it doesn't actually sort of be relevant. relevant and um, you know one of the top Google searches is you know Glenn James net worth and it's I'll tell you what my net worth is do you want to know mm. yeah none of your business mm. like I I don't I've got a private company yeah, yeah. and it doesn't actually matter. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know, have you found navigating this culture? Yeah. In America, we celebrate the Mark Boris. Yeah, yeah. You're an innovator, you're doing well, you're allowed. In Australia, you arrogant asshole. How dare you help me? Well, people the BRW well?
2: top whatever you used to and I used yeah. to be in it all for many years and my mate. Who I won't mention his name, who was the editor there at the time. I said, "Mate, what have I got to do to get out of it?" Yeah, I don't want to be on there, and uh, because they don't really know how much you're worth anyway, they're just making shit up. Mm. And because I remember they used to talk to, but I did know I got out of it. But I remember people I knew of people that he told me about and others told me about who would ring them up and say, "My net worth much more than that. Bump me up." And I think, my God, I don't want, I don't really want anyone to know what I'm worth. Well, it's not, I don't it's, no, I'm not trying to hide it. This is not relevant. Mm. I don't want, I, I don't want to be um, uh, known for that. Yeah. I don't want, I would rather be known for I got a good show. Um, people enjoy my show. Um, I help people. Um, I like my footy. I like the, the I like my boxing. Mm. Um, I, I recognize where I come from. You know, I know what my heritage is. That's what I want to be known for, mm. and not, not how much money i got in the bank. It means nothing. Yeah. And by the way, you can have the money in the bank today and you might not have them in one year's time. Who knows? You might have property the property market might collapse. You might have shares, share market might collapse. Who knows? It's, it's only – your wealth is only ever – can only ever be monitored on any, any one particular time and it could change the
1: next day. Wealth dynamic. Mm. And that's why I'm just so pro setting your life up today on your terms – not working hard at a job you hate for five, 10 years, and then I'll do this and then I'll do that. No, hey. let's start living today. Do it now. Yeah. Like forget the excuses. We, we can get through that. I just want to encourage you to have movement. Get the train to leave the station. Decide that I'm not going to be doing this in a year's time. Decide that first, then work backwards and let's get you moving along if you want.
2: Yeah, that's what I mean. That whole Nike saying, just do it. Mm has got a lot more legs to it than you think. It is the way, that is an attitude, that's a mindset. Mm. Just do it, go and do it, start
0: it. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help.
1: Gareth Lake uh, asks, what's your views on the current housing market? Is it overvalued, blah, 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 all the usual?
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's a good question, but the, the, there is no such thing, in my view, as a housing market where they're made up of thousands of markets and they're made up, so geographically there's- There's markets within like markets. Correct. So there's a market in Chatswood in Sydney, there's a market in uh, Lane Cove, there's a market, blah, blah. Then there's- market for attached, um, unattached housing, like just a house on a block of land. Then there's a a market for um, semi-detached houses and the market for townhouses and the market for apartments. So I can't give you one view on all of those things because there is, there's too many things going on, too many variables. But generally speaking, I still believe in housing of any type, whether it's attached or detached, whether it's in Sydney or it's in the regions as being a good investment. Uh, Rents are going up and soon we're going to have more, hopefully we're going to have more immigrants coming back in Australia. They're going to need someone to leave in due course over time. We're going to double that population growth that is. Um, And uh, housing still affordable. So I'm talking about in terms of borrowing money. So I think the housing market will remain strong. It doesn't mean we won't have a dip soon, but you don't buy into housing to trade. You're buying housing for a a five or 10 year view. And then if you want to trade, you make a decision down the track, but don't make that decision now and don't buy property because interest rates are low because that's generally speaking when the prices is the higher and don't buy uh, property now because um, interest rates are high and house prices are low and haven't gone up for a while. That's not a time to buy. You buy property because you get a loan approved because you can afford it. That's it. My wages, are, and I'm confident that my wages will stay. that can afford to pay the loan that's been approved, and I can buy with that loan's been approved. in My deposit, I can buy the house that I want to buy. And buy I would
1: property. say to those listening, like, "Oh, I'll never get into a home to live in." I would say, just it's okay. Keep saving. Keep plugged in. Focus on your career, and trust me. There's a house on every corner. There's plenty of homes. Totally, and or if
2: you don't, if you can't afford to buy the house you want to live in, where you want to live. Go and buy one in some way you don't care where you live and rent it out. Mm. At least you're on the property ladder and your money is going to work harder for you that way than it would if you just leave it in a bank account.
1: Sammy Jager, what's the most valuable skill someone can master to aid in the building of their wealth? Consistency.
2: Just be consistent. So conti- it's about accumulation. And not being in a um, not being under pressure to take it out, so consistently accumulate.
1: Scott Young, what successful habits would he have started much earlier? Me, yeah, um, less
2: well the the, the behavior of patience. So be much patient and have a longer term view. I would have started that. I should have started that in my twenties when I didn't. I started that in my thirties. Patience and long term view.
1: Mm. The consistency thing you talked about, that could be consistency in as little as I'm just going to set up a weekly amount into a savings or an investment account. Yeah. It could be, I'm going to consistently work. And this is what I did. Like when I started my businesses, I did a brain dump of like, just wrote sort of like all the things I had to do every day, every week, just went to take one thing off. Just slow. Could be consistency in your learning and education. Yep. So it's a- it's, skill, it's,
2: skill builds. It's that uh, Network moving. builds. Yeah. Um, saving. Um, it's, it's about behaviors mm. and habits and, uh, and also m- money, like, you know, you might have an automatic debit coming out of your account once a month, once a week, once a four, whatever it is, um wages. It goes directly into your, tops up your super or goes into some other investment account and you don't see it. Just be consistent with that stuff. Mm. Consistently apply these rules to yourself and and it's a long-term game it's uh, it's like Elton John said like I'm still standing you know that
1: song is famous because yeah, it's important. Yeah 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 that's exactly yeah. It. can you give us a rendition <laughs> no hey um so you're a builder you you know similar traits to what I've got you know I want to build something and you've done a lot of building um what are you building now like you've got the two podcasts um I've heard chatter around your studio here that you're doing the YouTube show just tell us what you're all about and maybe touch on the YouTube show. What are you trying to do? Well, the mentor business it
2: originally started off as me just playing around with it about six, seven years ago just to pay forward what I'd learned and I was making no money out of it. In fact, I was paying money into it, putting money into it. But then I started getting an audience. I started to get advertisers interested in sponsorships and I started getting people want me to do seminars and I realised that there is a business here. And um, to some extent, a bit like yourself, my business, the mental business is effectively a broadcaster, publisher. So it's a TV show. Mm. Um, I did TV shows. I did, you know, The Apprentice, but I did and I did the mental TV show on Channel 7. But we have decided we want to – I pull the Channel 7 stuff and I've decided we want to do our own, produce our own TV shows. COVID sort of got interrupted things for about two years. So we now – we've just finished filming a TV show, which we're going to put on YouTube, called Survive and Thrive. And um, it's sort of like the original mentor TV show that I had on Channel 7. It's about talking to people who want to tell me about their business, ask me for, for some advice as to how they can improve the business, or just ask me questions about their business. And um, very short, it's, it's only short form. It's not like, you know, it's not 60 minutes on television with about 30 ads. There's no no ads. So it's just now at the beginning of the YouTube, as you mm. wouldn't, you can scan through if you, you skip it if you want to. But it's, it's a YouTube series called Survive and Thrive, so that's pretty cool. Building our own TV uh, show, I've got a big crew here at um, the Mentored um, Studios. Um, we've got another business called Mental Media, so we go around helping people run their um, social programs, um, so- social media programs. We build their brands for them. That's got about seven or eight staff in it. They're all young. They're great, cool guys. And then we've got the podcast, and the podcasts are, you know, the one called uh, the one pod- One podcast is called. The, the Mentor, which is my original podcast, and another one's called Straight Talk where I talk to people straight up. I, I don't – and that could be talking to Eddie Hearns who runs the biggest boxing promotion business in the world um, from England. He's, he's a UK guy. Um, it, and I just talk straight, no shit, no um, shit. Cut into the, you know, cut into him and ask him hard questions, you know, like f- full on. And whereas the mentor is more about talking about start, to, talking to startups, talking to people who've got successful things, and getting advice from them th- and just putting it out there into the internet and and to my listeners, to my audience, to see if they can gather something
1: from it to make their little business better. Mm. Would you like? I've been harping on about this for as long as I can remember. In this day and age, if you've got a small business whether it's a butchery, bakery, a candlestick makery or whatever like it is. First and foremost, we're all now a uh, marketing and media business. Yep. By the way, I'm a butcher. By yep. the way, I'm a baker. Yep. But we've got to get this thing yep. that you are a marketer. You're a online business. I don't care if you cut hair in the salon. You need to be an online business. And you're going to get a Google review because somebody's
2: going to want to, and generally speaking, the Google reviews Mm. that work are the ones that are shit. So, um, and you've got to understand that and you've got to know how that all works and how that operates. You might not care, but at the end of the day, um, I agree with you 100%. Everybody's got to be a digital marketer of some type. You might not be able to afford mainstream marketing, but you are got to be a digital marketing. You've got to be aware of it, mm. and you know maybe you need to have a little website or a, a little, you know, a Google page. You've got to have people want to know who you are. You're a plumber. I'm You're coming to my place. You're a plumber, and um, can you just show up first? No, I, well, <laughs> I want I want to check out who you are. Yeah, I want to know if you do show up. <laughs> yeah, I want to know what, what your history is. I mean, yeah. are you someone I can rely on? Because I don't want to let you in my house if you're, uh, you know, like a you know, got a bad review, mm. that you just tear the joint up or you leave the sewer open or something, you know what I mean? So, yeah, everyone's got to be much more aware of it. But unfortunately, that's not the case. Mm. And part of my drive of the mentor business, every every podcast I do, ultimately, there is a digital story or a social story in there. Mm. And it's, and I try to drag that out of um, my guests as to about what they do digitally, why it's important. I mean, I had you on my podcast. Your whole business is a digital business. I mean, you're you're a podcaster, but... You're a digital podcast. You're on the digital mm. mediums. Mm. So I didn't have to drag that out of you because it's pretty obvious. But generally speaking, you know, I get people who might run a, a how to grow a garden bed, like how to grow gardens and vegetables in your backyard.
1: want to know what is your digital um, strategy. And this is the cool thing. Like if you're wondering like, oh, I want to do my own business one day and I don't know what to do trust me if you're a freak and you like growing worms start a worm channel like there's always totally. going to be an audience yeah so do a your podcast freaky thing get your freak on and do it to other freaks yeah totally do your podcast yeah do your, just do, do youtube yeah it doesn't matter yeah
2: and learn and so you don't have to be an overnight success just talk it
1: hey mark thanks so much for joining my Millennial money you, you'll mate. hear more of mark in the new year on my millennium money see you mate bye